everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on what's new in 2021 with respect to retirement planning and what to be mindful of as you map out and manage both your retirement and estate plan. I am glad to be joined today by Ainsley Carbone, Total Wealth Strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Ainsley, good morning to you. It's great to be with you on the podcast and very much looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you for having me, Dan. So Ainsley, I know our conversation this morning, it will revolve around the Modern Retirement Monthly publication, which I know you run lead on. The inaugural piece for 2021, it's a retirement guide of sorts. In fact, that's the title of the publication. It covers everything from Social Security to health care, other important topics, all of which we'll hit on during our conversation today. So maybe we can start with Social Security. What should our clients, Ainsley, be mindful of with respect to Social Security? in 2021, namely the cost of living adjustment rate. Yeah, thank you, Dan. So the cost of living adjustment or the COLA is certainly important every year. You know, each year the Social Social Security Administration looks at the percentage increase in the consumer price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers. And they look at that to determine this, this cost of living adjustment, which is, of course, intended to protect the purchasing power of Social Security benefits by offsetting inflation. But as you can probably gather from the name of the index, which is, like I said, the CPI for urban wage earners and clerical workers, this inflationary measure probably isn't the best one to use for retirees since they aren't all urban dwellers and they are there are very few of them who are wage earners. So while the COLA will likely track economy-wide inflation, most retirees are going to find that the COLA has not kept pace with their own personal expenditures inflation over time. And that's really just because retirees are going to spend differently than pre-retirees. So as you're determining what this COLA means for you in the context of your financial plan, it's important to see how this increase in benefits compares to any increases in expenses that you incur throughout the year. So by looking at household income relative to expenses, that can really just help you get a, a better understanding of the purchasing power of that income. And that is what will help you really determine what this COLA means for you and your budget. Thank you, Ainsley. So as a follow-up to that, how do those who aren't yet receiving Social Security benefit from COLA? So even if you haven't yet claimed Social Security benefits, starting at age 62, you still benefit from the COLA. And the reason for that is because the COLA is applied to your primary insurance amount or the benefit that you're supposed to receive when you reach full retirement age. So if you retire early, your primary insurance amount you would have received at full retirement age will be reduced. And since claiming early is going to then lead to a smaller benefit, your COLA is going to be a percentage of that smaller benefit. However, if you each year that you do not claim early, that COLA is going to be actually applied to the primary insurance amount or the amount that you'd receive at full retirement age. So by delaying, the COLA is then applied to a larger dollar amount, meaning there's more dollars that are going to increase and also more dollars that will compound up until the point that you claim. So not only will your benefits increase the longer you delay claiming Social Security benefits up to age 70, but you also get this added incentive of benefiting from the COLA on a larger benefit amount each year. Now, of course, depending on the COLAs each year, this added incentive that we're talking about, it's not its not always going to be significant. Uh, however, it's still something that you're going to want to take into account when deciding whether to claim early or not. 
And that's especially the case for retirees who don't necessarily need that income right now to support current spending needs, because then that might be even more of a case for them to to just so to delay so that they can benefit from a larger amount. Thank you, Ainsley. So that covers Social Security. And of course, we do encourage our clients, our listeners to reference the publication if they'd like to read further into Social Security. If we turn over to health care, of course, we all know that health care costs, they are rapidly increasing. That's just a reality. So Ainsley, how should one go about saving for health care expenses? Yeah, so when we think about rapidly increasing healthcare costs, there are going to be two ways in which retirees will, will face increasing costs. The first being inflation and the second being higher costs that are going to be associated with increasing needs for healthcare as you progress through retirement and age. Now, in terms of inflation, we published a report last year on healthcare and retirement, which we had linked to into in the, uh, in this year's retirement guide, which is the report we're talking about. Now, in that previously published healthcare and retirement report, we discussed the impact of healthcare cost inflation on your overall financial plan. And we'd also discussed the importance of building that into your financial plan as you're planning for a, a long retirement. But in terms of higher healthcare spending as you progress through retirement, which was discussed in this report, we suggest thinking about retirement spending across different phases of your retirement years because your, your retirement spending is not going to be constant throughout all, all of those years. So you'll think, you know, what will your spending look like at the beginning of your retirement? You'll hopefully be help, healthy, not much healthcare spending. Hopefully you'll be traveling more. Um, but then as you progress through retirement and you age through those later years, it's likely that your, your health related issues will become more common. And as your, your healthcare needs increase, the costs associated with those needs are going to also increase. And it's going to take up a much larger portion of your overall spending as you progress through retirement. So if you can think about retirement in phases like this, it's going to help you think more deliberately, I think, about your, about your retirement spending. And you'll be able to add those those retirement phases into your financial plan. And I think by doing this, it'll it'll just help prepare for the changes in your needs over time. And, and it will likely be much more helpful approaching it this way rather than just assuming a constant spending path through retirement. Okay, so there's quite a few savings avenues that one can explore. I'm curious, though, as a follow-up to that, Ainsley, how do you go about differentiating stable and variable healthcare costs? Yeah, so this is a great question. Does not all costs are going to look alike. So there's the, the fixed or relatively stable cost of the monthly premiums, which tend to be uh, relatively predictable with them each year. Um, but, but premiums are just going to be one component of overall healthcare spending. There's also the out-of-pocket costs that you'll see associated with maybe prescription drugs, doctor's visits, tests, hospitalizations, a whole lot more. Um, but all of those can be, they can vary considerably, especially at a point when your health needs change. So I think this difference uh, is certainly very important to consider as you budget because, you know, thinking about your premiums, let's say, which have much more predictability, that's something that's pretty easy to budget for. You know how much it's going to be each year. You can add it to your, your budget as you would with other fixed expenses, like maybe your rent or your your um, your mortgage. And you can also plan similarly for those out-of-pocket costs that might have a little bit more predictability as well. For instance, let's say your your prescription drugs. But then those there are those variable expenses that can become much higher. Like let's say if you get sick or you need surgery, 
So in that case, I'd say setting aside extra funds in your emergency fund to cover these unplanned and potentially large expenses can help you be prepared for any situation, regardless of how how much those healthcare costs do vary. Thank you, Ainsley. Very helpful. So another topic I'd like to bring up that the publication highlights, that being the SECURE Act. And I think back to 2020, I know we had conversations about the SECURE Act along with our colleagues from Advanced Planning and the Office of Public Policy. The SECURE Act is coming back in 2021 in a big way. So can you refresh our clients, our listeners, on the implications of the SECURE Act to retirees specifically? And then, Ainsley, what and when exactly will take effect this year in 2021? Yeah, so I know thinking about the SECURE Act at the end of 2019 uh, certainly seems like forever ago, uh, especially with the CARES Act that was implemented last year because it, it just kind of made a lot of people sort of forget about what was in the SECURE Act. So there were certainly a number of provisions in the Act, but in in this report, we really focused on two key changes. The first being the age at which you must take your first required minimum distribution, or RMD. And the second one we focused on on was the elimination of the stretch IRA feature for, for most IRA beneficiaries. Now, the new RMD age did take effect in 2020, but the CARES Act that was implemented, I believe, in March of last year, that had suspended RMDs for 2020 for anyone who wanted to not have to take their RMD. But that a provision under the CARES Act, as of right now, it was not extended into 2021. So required minimum distributions are, again, in effect this year. So anyone turning age 72 this year will be required to take their first RMD no later than April 1st of 2022, and then next by December 31st of that year and every year after that. Now, the second change we we discussed in the report was the elimination of of stretch IRA. So prior to the SECURE Act, Retirement assets could be passed on to the next generation, and they, those inheritors would be subject to much smaller RMDs that were stretched out over the life of their, or, or excuse me, over, over their whole lifetime. However, through the passing of the SECURE Act, IRA owners who die on or after January 1st of 2020, most non-spouse IRA beneficiaries are going to be required to complete distributions from inherited accounts within a 10-year period. And since these distributions are now going to be required over a much shorter period of time frame relative to the whole lifetime RMDs that that some IRA beneficiaries were subject to previously, it creates a situation where a whole lot of income is going to be reportable to them in a short period of time. And, And for that, it could just result in a very significant tax burden for some IRA beneficiaries. Thank you, Ainsley, for the clarity on that, and I'm sure we will have some follow-up conversations as we progress through the year on the SECURE Act, so more to come there. Uh, One final question before we wrap up this morning, a very important question that maybe should be on the backs of the minds of our clients as they're sitting down with their financial advisors and having conversations. So, Ainsley, what should a checklist consist of to ensure that nothing is overlooked when it comes to one's retirement and estate plan? Yeah, so the the SECURE Act is certainly going to affect a large number of retirement plan holders and their subsequent beneficiaries. So I'd say if you have retirement plan assets, regardless of your age, I encourage everyone to carefully review your current estate plan, trust, retirement plan beneficiaries, and and review all those with your UBS financial advisor, estate planning attorney, or accountant. Even if you don't intend to pass these retirement assets to your heirs, 
updating or revisiting your IRA beneficiaries should be something that you want to do every year. And, and it's important to make sure that they're up to date so that you can be confident in that your savings are going to be passed to the right person in the event this worst case scenario happens. And reviewing beneficiaries in light of the Secure Act changes can really just help make sure that you aren't overlooking any provisions of the act that may negative that may negatively impact the value of the inheritance that you're planning to pass to your your current beneficiaries because i mean some some beneficiaries are going to be exempt from the elimination of the stretch ira but it's really just important to kind of sit down with your financial advisor and and work through all of this so that you can just be confident that the money that you're hoping to pass to your loved ones is going to get there and it's also going to do so in a way that has the most impact. Well, Ainsley, very helpful insights and takeaways you have shared with our clients and listeners on top of the morning today. And to your point, of course, we do encourage our clients listening in to have follow-up conversations with their financial advisor to ensure that their retirement and estate plans are on the right track. So Ainsley, appreciate the time today and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dan. Have a good one. And again, today we have been joined by Ainsley Carbone, Total Wealth Strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners and clients, the UBS Chief Investment Office authors a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. And that does include the publication that Ainsley has been making reference to during today's conversation, the Modern Retirement Monthly 2021 Retirement Guide. So for UBS clients, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more or receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Conversations podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Timeframes may vary. Strategies are subject to individual client goals, objectives, and suitability. This approach is not a promise or guarantee that wealth or any financial results can or will be achieved. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.